everyone, and welcome to Minute 73 of Season 3 Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today on this lovely Wednesday is Eric Deutsch from Flash Gordon Minute and Escape from New York Minute. Welcome back to the show, Eric. Hello, thanks for having me back. Uh, well, we've, we've already discussed candy, we've discussed... Uh, Christmas carols and singing in the rain. I, I don't know what what we have up for today. You know, who knows? Maybe we'll uh, maybe maybe someone will actually start using their guns. What do you, think? <laughs> <clears throat> you, you never know. Could be. Could be. We'll we'll have to wait and see. So, minute seventy three begins with uh, uh, <laughs> Hondo giving his SWAT report. It's not really Hondo, but uh, you know. Hondo is the uh, you know the character played by by Samuel L. Jackson in the 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 movie SWAT and you know they're based on that TV show SWAT. So the main uh, the main the main SWAT guy's name was Hondo. So I decided just to name name this guy Hondo. So Hondo gives his SWAT report, and the minute ends with ominous lights coming from the distance. So yesterday we we ended things where the SWAT team is is in position, they're ready to go. And they're waiting for the the go ahead from Deputy Chief Dwayne T. Robinson. And then we hear over the, the the radio, "We're ready." And Robinson looks over and goes, "Kick ass." <laughs> and very nonchalantly too, just like the criminals, you know, Correct. it's all just you know really laid back about it, just confident and yeah, kick ass, let's do it. Yeah. And and at this point, the main SWAT guy says go you know they 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 give them the green light and we we see the the SWAT guys that are standing by the door or standing near the door start moving towards the the door to to do their work and again they look very professional the way that they're doing it you you have one of them standing guard on the right hand side one of them standing guard on the left hand side and then one guy goes into the middle in order to try and uh, pick the lock you know he slings his his gun his m16 over his shoulder and, you know, takes out like a lockpick type of uh, tool in order to try and get through, which which is pretty funny that this is what they're trying. You know, you'd think they would have had a, a, a better plan of how to open the door. You know, like you think that they would, do you think they, they know that this is an electronic uh, door? I don't think so because what they're doing doesn't really seem like something that would open an electronic door. Which which means they they didn't they didn't do their homework. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know they didn't have that much time, but still, you know, you'd think that before you send in a SWAT team and say, okay, let's go pick the lock. Let's first see if it's a lock that can be picked. You know, it's it's uh it's an interesting way that they do it. And as 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 they're doing this, we get an internal shot of Uli again. Who's now eating a Mars bar? Yeah, so I there's only two possible explanations here for him eating the Mars bar. Either he, he more time has passed in the movie than than we sort of thought because he was just eating a Nestle Crunch bar and getting and putting the Nestle Crunch bar down in the last minute because he was getting ready to fight, and now he's got a Mars bar. I don't see how he had enough time to open up and eat the other Mars bar. So either more time has passed than we're led to believe, or it's just an editing continuity error. 
Okay, so this is, you're saying this is a continuity error. Yeah, now, what, I, I am, what yeah. about the fact that maybe he had, you know, maybe he puts uh, a few of them on the counter? He could have, but again, in the last minute, he was putting down the Nestle Crunch Bar and, like, getting the gun ready to prepare. So what happened from a minute ago, movie time, to now that instead he put his gun back down and picked up the Mars bar, unwrapped it, and started eating that. When the guys his, are, the cops are his now His stomach started growling? <laughs> <laughs> the teeth? Uh, I don't know. But, but it's a great touch. Whether whether it's an editing error or whether it's, it's you know, who knows. But it's a great touch that he's eating a different type of candy bar. <laughs> you know, they're not showing him still eating the same Nestle Crunch. That is he's, true. He's starving. That's what it comes down to. We we I, we we basically established last week when when we uh, met Kel Wallens that this is uh, 10 p.m. Okay, so this is around mm-hmm. 10 o'clock at night mm-hmm. that this is all going on, plus plus or minus, right? <laughs> and we know that they got the 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 terrorists got to the Nakatomi building at sunset. Sunset was at 4:50, mm-hmm. so that means they got there at five. They've been there five hours. Uli's hungry. <laughs> that's all it comes down to i want i want to get in also i have um just because I, I mean i know that you're deep into the movie so i know you've covered all the actors and stuff um but i want to just get in that uh al young the actor here he's one of those those guys for me everyone's got those actors like oh there's that guy that they just see all the time uh and al young uh was always one of those ones for me you know it just seemed like he was in every 80s action tv show and i know he's in bill and ted's excellent adventure and then he's a few other movies i've seen and he's, he's just, in lethal you know, weapon yes he's in lethal weapon the guy that tortures rigs that's right that's uh, right so i just Ooh. wanted to you know call out big fan of al leong and i when i was looking at his wikipedia page um my favorite credit for him is in an episode of the a-team he was asian looking thug and I oh, found wow. that humorous because he actually is Asian. So it's not that he's Asian looking. He he's he should have just been Asian <laughs> thug, you know. So I found that to be a very a very humorous uh, credit. So you should have you should have tried to track down on that copy of that episode to see if he looks Asian there. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe he was standing next to somebody who looks more Asian. <clears throat> I don't know. But uh, no, for me, I, I've, first of all, I've always loved him in this movie. But I remember when uh, 24 came out and he was in that first season. And, you know, 24 came out in, I think, 2001, if I remember correctly. So th- we're talking 13 years later. And you can see he really aged. Hmm. You know, like you could see that he put on weight and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, come on. This is <laughs> Al Leung. You know, how could that be? But he was still playing the same type of guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for him. Got a career. That's right. I was like, okay, he must have survived Nakatomi and, uh, you know, is still in L.A. 13 years later trying to, you know, find a way to assassinate the president. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and so he's he's eating this 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 candy bar. And and then we we see in the next shot, he doesn't have a candy bar in his hand. Mm. Okay, they they show they show the SWAT guys for for a few seconds, and they come back to him, and he doesn't have a candy bar in his hand. But what he does have, he makes a fist. He's signaling to Eddie with a fist. Yep. I have no idea what a fist means. You know, it doesn't make any sense because the next thing that happens makes absolutely no sense. Okay, someone starts shooting. 
from above. So how did Uli signal someone upstairs to start shooting? Maybe I'm going to try to come up with a, an answer here. Maybe his fist to Eddie was to give Eddie the signal for Eddie then to say something into the mic to Theo. All right, you know, tell them to start and relate it up to them. And then they started shooting like that. It's all I can think of. But again, it's it's within fractions of a second. This mm. is how quickly it is. And the shooting is the same place where the shooting came from uh, when someone shot up Powell's car. Now, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't McLean who shot up Powell's car. I always thought it was McLean who shot up Powell's car. One of the terrorists on the third floor, okay, which we we later find out we he's been identified as Alexander mm-hmm. from the script. He's the one who starts opening fire. Got it. He's he's got an itchy trigger finger all the time, and he wants to shoot. And you know he shot up Al's car, and he shot out all the glass there. But now he's in the same place, and he shoots again, and again shoots out all the glass. So they they were they were able to quickly rebuild that glass. It's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, and and then uh, we we get a shout from uh, one of the SWAT guys saying take cover, and then the then then we get uh, our good friend Robinson saying they're shooting at him. You know, like he's he's really showing his intellect here by telling everyone that someone's shooting. You know, <laughs> they're shooting at him. The Rick Olier of Die Hard. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> And then uh, the response from the SWAT guys is panic fire. They can't see anything. And then uh, I love how they get more a nonchalance, shot. by the way. I mean, again, yeah, it's, you know, completely. again, everyone in this movie is so unconcerned and untense. Eh, panic fire, whatever. Eh. Well, we've had that the entire time. I mean, come on. If nowadays someone were to call up 911 and say there's a terrorist attack in a certain place, that the the response from the 911 operator is not going to be. Uh, well, if this is a real emergency, call from your phone. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yes, yes. Channel 9 is reserved for emergency use only. Uh, hello? <laughs> That's what this is. You know, there, there's the, and again, the, the whole thing with the, with, with the news people, you know, if you hear on a scanner that there's a terrorist attack somewhere, you're going to want to send someone right away. You're not going to wait around. Right. You know, two weeks ago we talked about the fact of how long it took for for Thornburg to convince uh, you know his boss to to send him out. It just doesn't make any sense. Nobody's taking this seriously. So apparently, even the cops that are sitting here in Nakatomi are not taking this as seriously as they should be. Yep. You know, except for our good friend Al. Right. <laughs> who's, they're shooting who's at there the goes, lights. They're shooting at the lights. <laughs> I mean, it's said in such a tone of like, you doofuses. How am I the only one that realizes this? <laughs> That's right. And as he says that, one of the lights is shot out. Right. And then a few seconds a few seconds later, a second one gets shot out. And then, <laughs> and then Robinson goes, they're going after the lights. <laughs> so the question is, is he saying that in response to... Al, or is he now the, you know, the coin has dropped. He's now notices that that's what they're doing here. I don't think, yeah, I I honestly don't think he heard Al say it because I think he's already like in his mind, like, I'm not dealing with Al Powell, you know, I'm, you know, he shouldn't even be here, whatever. I've taken over. This guy's just in my way. I don't even think he heard him say it because I think he's just ignoring him at this point. 
Right. Okay. That, that's very fair. It's. I think it's he's just mentioning it. You know, matter of factly. Yeah. You know that that's what it is. You know, he, he, and like the way he looks around, also he looks around like shocked <laughs> that they <laughs> shot out the light. He like jumps back. What's it? They, uh, hey, they're shooting at the lights. And I love the the eye roll from uh, from Al. Oh, so good. You know, and then we're we're, we're back to the front door. We see uh, one of the guys, the, the guy trying to like lock pick goes, it's not happening. So then the commander goes, Mike, burn it. So then another one of the SWAT guys comes over and he pulls out this uh, blowtorch and tries to open the lock. So uh, what do you know about blowtorches? Uh, I know they're used a lot in movies, and I wonder how much they're really used in real life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's uh, actually very interesting. It's it's also known as a blow lamp. Okay. It's, um, it's actually of ancient uh, origin, and it was a, used as a tool by goldsmiths and silversmiths. Okay, they actually used what uh, they had a, a wick oil lamp with a mouth blown tube alongside the flame, and th- this this allowed them to to have the flame uh, you know come out of the, the the side in order to 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 try and heat things up. So in 1797, a German inventor named August von Marquand he actually invented uh, a blowtorch. A, what do you call a modern blowtorch, I guess. And basically, over the years, there were numerous different types of blowtorches that were created, both in Europe and in the Americas. And the the difference being in the U.S., they had them fueled by gas, by gasoline, and the European versions all uh, use kerosene because kerosene apparently is much safer and it also costs less. And after the the Korean War in the 1950s, everyone started using uh, uh, propane as the as as their fuel of choice for for using it uh, for using a blowtorch. So I mean, the idea of a blowtorch is to be able to to focus the, a certain amount of fire on a particular area, you know, an extreme pressure in a uh, Thing. So, I mean, the, the term blowtorch is, is commonly misused, hmm. and people use it for metal, a metalworking torch. But uh, what it actually is is a pressurized liquid fuel that, that uh, is, is, is the way that they use things there. All right? You can get them in different sizes or different amounts of power and stuff like that. Um. And usually nowadays they're they're single handheld units, with the uh, draught being supplied by a natural draught of air and liquid fuel pressurized initially by hand plunger pump, by a hand plunger pump. And uh, nowadays it's being used by a uh, it's it's regenerated heating. Um, sorry, it started by using a hand plunger pump. And then it is re- the because of the the because once the torch is, is lit, then it constantly stays lit because it's regenerating the the heat that that is being used there. So yeah, that's what they use it for. I again, I, I agree with what you said. They they overuse it in movies. 
I don't know if this is really a smart thing for what they're trying to do here by trying to open the lock by using a blowtorch. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't understand know. the physics I don't know. of that at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's supposed to be effective or not, but yeah. that's the way it is. That's what that's what they're trying to do. You know, and uh, at this point, Hans, we get a shot of Hans, and he goes, don't be impatient, just wound them. And then we, we get another shot of our, our good friend Uli. What's he doing? He's eating the Mars bar again. He's eating the Mars bar again. <laughs> <laughs> He's eating the Mars bar again. These are pretty. Uh, I, I guess. I guess we're dealing with magic candy here. Yeah, this is definitely a little bit of uh, some editing problems going on. I think that uh, Hans. It's very smart of him to tell them to just wound them because it's almost like he knows if we kill the cops now, it's going to bring hell down, and it's too soon in his plan for that. He doesn't. He he needs to not have them bring up their level of you know need. Uh, or, you know, uh, uh, ramp the level up yet because he's still got a lot to do for his plan to come into fruition. So it's like, let's wound them, not kill them, because obviously it'll still bring things to a heightened level, but he has no choice. They can't just let the cops come in. But if he knows if he kills them, that's going to be a whole other level. Okay, but I, I agree with you on that. But later in the week, we'll see that that completely changes. And yeah. there's no real reason for that to change. I, I, but I whatever, we'll, we'll get there. On that, yeah, it looks like I, uh, <laughs> it's not the case. Yeah, he, <laughs> he quickly changes his mind when, uh, you know. <laughs> and at this point, he, you know, Uli then throws the wrapper down. You know, finally, he's getting rid of it. And we get, we get an internal shot of the blowtorch. You know, on the outside, trying to, to to get in. Now, the sparks and everything. It looks like he's 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 not doing it at the same. He's doing it at the level of. Uh, I guess it is the right level. It's not the level of the key card. The key card is is higher up. Right. But it's the level of where you know where you have the push bars to open the door. So I guess the lock is at that point. That that actually does make sense. And what's great is we get to see you know the two cops on the side. You know, sort of covering. Uh, I mean, they're not doing a very good job, but they're they're just standing there. They're 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 bait. <laughs> they're you know they're they're replacement bait, I guess you can say. And at this point, you know, Uli continues with his uh, decision to to shoot, and we first get a shot of Robinson finally coming to his uh, senses, and he goes, "Get him back! They're sitting ducks up there without the lights." And then the, the SWAT commander goes, no, they're almost in. And then Robinson goes, get them back. He goes, they're almost in. They're almost in. And at this point, we, we see that, uh, you know, we get a shot of, of Al looking on again. Doesn't say anything. He's just looking back. And then the, 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 the response is, send in the car. Send in the car. Which reminds me always of the, the phrase, you know, send in the clowns. <laughs> it's not, uh, <laughs> not sending the car, sending the car. The, the the chain of command in this scene is interesting because Robinson's in charge of the operation and he wants to pull them out. But the SWAT commander says they're almost in, tells him to stay. And um, so I'm wondering, even though Robinson has overall authority right now of the situation, because Johnson and Johnson aren't here yet, maybe the SWAT commander, though, has the authority to call the shots with his own team once an action is underway so he doesn't have to do what Robinson says because they're in an active engagement. Right. 
I, I think you're right about that. Okay. Because he basically he he's basically uh, challenging Robinson uh, slightly. Right. By saying, okay, you want to pull him out, but I don't. No, no, no. They're almost there. They're almost there. Yeah, but it's it's not as if he's he's disregarding the order. He's trying to convince him otherwise. Yeah. I think that's more or less what it is. And Robinson just shuts up at this point and doesn't do anything. And then they, they give us a shot in the distance of some lights coming towards police cars. And that's how this minute ends. Is there anything else you want to say before we get into the, the script? Uh, No, not this minute. Okay, so the, the script has a few minor uh, discrepancies here, like always. First of all, no, no mention of candy bars, no shots of candy bars <laughs> or anything like that. It says that uh, Eddie and Uli take up prone firing positions using the gaps in the steel partition uh, like gunpoints. Which, again, is not what they're doing here. You know, you have uh, one on one side and the other near the candy bar trying to, you know, shoot out. Um, they also mentioned that uh, both Robinson and the SWAT commander named Mitchell uh, are behind the, the, the police car. As uh, the SWAT officers that are close by, they remove a portable welding torch and begin cutting their way through the locks. You know, they, they didn't even mention the fact that they were trying to pick the locks. The first thing they're trying to do mm. is use the blowtorch to, to get in. And uh, those are the only differences in this uh, in this minute in the script. So every Wednesday we we have a segment called Hans Hump Day, where my my guests will give their their top five um, Alan Rickman performances. So. Why don't you start with number five and work your way up to number one? All right. Uh, number five, I'll go with the first Harry Potter movie, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, since that's the introduction to his character in that series. Um, you don't know what to expect from him. He's got great Alan Rickman voice in that movie. Uh, so I'll go with that uh, for number five. Number four, although I think this is an absolutely horrendous movie, uh, he is the one good thing about it. Uh, Sheriff of Nottingham and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, just solidifying his status as someone who can play a great movie villain. Uh, number three, Galaxy Quest. Uh, you know, he doesn't he didn't usually do humor, Alan Rickman, too much, but uh, he really nails that role. I know I did Shakespeare. Excellent stuff. Yeah. Um, number two, the final Harry Potter movie, Deathly Hallows Part Two. Um, I think that's one of the best twists in movie history. Having not read the books, I never saw it coming. Uh, and he really, uh, really, it's kind of almost like a compilation of just the entire role that he played in the eight movies coming to a head there with uh, how well he played it um, leading into the twist of his character. Uh, and I hope that this is allowed, but number one is this movie. I mean, of this, course, this, you know, what do you mean uh, is okay, allowed? Yeah, That's the point here. <laughs> good, yeah. I, I didn't mean, say be, just, be uh, it's a no brainer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it is a no brainer. <laughs> this is absolutely his best. This is one of the top five, six movie villains in history, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I definitely uh, would agree with you on that one. Excellent. All right, so uh, why don't you once again tell people how they can get in touch with you, Eric? Sure. So I was the co-host of Escape from New York Minute and Flash Gordon Minute, and uh, they are both available on any podcatcher out there. And you can contact us through our listener groups, web, uh, um, Facebook pages, and we both also uh, have Twitter feeds as well. All right. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Your Up Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, and you can find me on my website, moveyourupminute.com. So until tomorrow, yippee ki Yippee-ki-yay!